Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to dive into the Word today. 1 Kings chapter 19, reading from verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, Many, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was scared, afraid, and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom. But Bush sat down under it and prayed that he might die. How many people know he's not in a good place? I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. This is the guy that's just called fire down from heaven, just, just for the record. And then within moments, he's praying this prayer. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals, little pizza. He looked around and then by his head was some, some bread baked hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him again and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And then verse nine, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Let's pray. So, Father, I just thank you for this, your word. I pray that you would speak to us today. I pray that by the Holy Spirit, this word would become a revelation in our hearts. How we need you above all else. There be nothing in me that hinders this word. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak and to hear your word. Let your gifts be in operation even as I share to be a spirit of wisdom and revelation, to understand and to see what we cannot see with our natural eyes. This is our prayer, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been in a series entitled uh, The Power of Margins, and this is the last installment in that series. We've said we're living in a time where we're busy, rushed all the time, and because of that, we're the most exhausted, tired, and empty generation that ever lived. Uh, And the reason for this is because, among other things, many things, we have no margins. And we're, all, we're forever living on the edge. We're forever living on the edge of life. And because of that, we're always stressed. Our key thought for this series is that God does some of his greatest work in our lives and, in, and through our lives in the margins of life. That God actually does some of his greatest work in and through our lives through the margins. We have no margins, but, but, but margins are so important because God does some of his greatest work in them great example of this. I I read another story this week in the Bible and it reminded me again of the power of margins. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. You know, man is beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. Priest and Levite, you know, they're walking past and they see him there on the side of the road and they walk right on by. They walk right on by because they were really busy. 
had a lot of things to do. This was a Levite. This was a, this was a, 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 a priest and they had a lot of spiritual things to do. And they walk right on by. And then there was a Samaritan. And he's walking on by, sees the same guy on the side of the road. And instead of walking right past, he stops. The Bible says he bandages his wounds, pours oil and wine on his wounds. And, and then, he, and then he, uh, he, he puts him on his donkey. He takes him to an inn somewhere and he, and he pays for his care. Um, and then says, I'll be back tomorrow. If there's more expenses, I'll pay for them. Here's a guy who had time margin. He had financial margin. Wonder how many opportunities to minister we miss. How, how many opportunities? How many people do we walk right on by that are on the side of the road, broken, wounded and hurting? Because we're busy. We're really busy. We're doing some really important things. We walk right on by. God does some of his greatest work in our lives and through our lives, in the margins of life. The last few weeks, we've looked at developing margins in two areas, in our time, in our finances. Today, I want to look at what is probably the most important of all, it's emotional margin. We've defined margin as the difference between what we have and what we need. Time margin would be having time to breathe, to do the things we love, having a night off, getting early to an appointment, it's margin. Financial margin would be money left over after we paid for the bills. Having emotional margin means having the ability to handle the day-to-day stresses of life, but not only the day-to-day stresses of life, but also the unexpected challenges, the adversity, the pressure, the change. Having margin to be able to handle those things in a positive way. Best way for understand this is the example Wayne Cordero uses in a book entitled Leading on Empty, which I thoroughly recommend. Uh, He's a pastor of a great church in Hawaii. Gee, some people get the tough gig, don't they? You know, leading a church in Hawaii. And and he did, and he talks about his own burnout experience. and And he writes this book. It's a powerful book, thoroughly recommend it. And he says, we all have emotional tanks. And there are things that drain our emotional tanks. And then there are things that fill our emotional tanks. Things that drain our emotional tanks are things like relational conflict, sickness, unresolved issues in our lives that just continue to drain us, drain our energy, unexpected crises, lack of sleep, high expectations, this, this, uh, this pressure to be at a certain level that just continuous, we haven't reached it yet. Well, we've got to try harder to get to that level. And it's forever draining us. And so many others. And of course, stress, which just drains our tanks like no other. And on the other hand, there are things that fill our tanks. And it could be a hobby, spending time with certain people, uh, walk on the beach, um, you know, worship, and when, when we do certain things, um, it's like they fill our emotional tanks. One of the things I like to do is I go for walks through the hills. And, and I don't know what it is, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's when, I, when, I, when I go through those walks, uh, occasionally I'll stop and hug a tree, you know, just to, I know, you know. And, um, and when, I, when I'm walking through nature, I've told you this before, I feel, like I'm, I feel like I'm in God's garden because, you know, it's not the council taking care of those hills, it's, it's God's garden. But while, I, while I'm going through this walk, it's just like my batteries are recharged. And we all know that there are some things in our lives that actually 
fill our emotional tanks. But when our emotional tanks are constantly being drained and not filled, pretty soon it leads to emotional burnout and this is an epidemic in our age. If we're forever, if we're ever being drained emotionally and we're not actually filling up our tanks, pretty soon it's going to lead to emotional burnout. Holmes and Ray have developed what is called a, a, a stress um, a stress scale, and uh, it's really interesting. So what they've done is they've listed all these things that we go through in life, and put a put a put a number next to it in terms of how stressful it is, and then you can add up all the stresses in your life. And if you're over 300, then then you know things are not good. They're in, you're in the red zone. So for example, the death of a spouse is lift is is at 100. Uh, uh, you know, because it's pretty stressful. So it's, that's that's given 100 points. Marriage, 50 points. Just being married, 50 points. Having a baby, 39 points. Um, uh, large mortgage, 31. I mean, it makes sense, you know. Um, uh, this, this is a couple of interesting ones. Christmas, 14 points. Having Christmas is, uh, it gets 14 points of stress. And, and my all-time favourite is taking a vacation, 13 points of stress. <laughs> Where do you get that, you know? <laughs> Uh, take a vacation. Yeah, it's going to stress you out another 13 points. Um, so the idea is if you're over 300, it's very crude. It's a really crude scale, but, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And if you over, if you add it all up and you're over 300, then, you know, you're at risk of burnout. And so the big question is, how do we develop emotional margins in our life? If they're so important, how do we develop them? Well, time I have left, I want to do two things. First, I want to look at the long-term effects of emotional burnout. And then I want to look at what we can get to get some emotional energy back in our tanks. And most of all, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will use my words in some way to speak to all of us here today. There are certain consequences to living with emotional burnout. The first of these is our perception is affected. Our perception is affected. In other words, we no longer see our situations for what they really are. Uh, small issues become major problems. Uh, we, 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 we can start to catastrophize. It's a good word, catastrophize. In other words, it's a little, little problem that can easily be handled. But because we are so emotionally burnt out, our emotional tanks are completely empty. What is just little, a little issue now suddenly looks like a giant mountain. We can be polarized in our thinking. It's either really, really bad or, or, or really, really good. And we can say, oh no, it's not a problem. We exaggerate what it might be on either ends of the spectrum. We think a headache is a tumor. We imagine the worst. We feel excessive guilt. We can no longer make decisions. This is a big one. Where, where, where in the past we are decision-making machines. We can make them really quick. When we're emotionally burnt out, every decision becomes a mountain. And often the decisions we do make uh, actually make our situation worse. We're looking for a way out. We're looking for a quick way out from the pain. And the decisions we do make actually exacerbate the problem. David said, my heart pounds, my strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. In other words, I can't see like I could normally see. I can't see the circumstances I'm going through like I normally would. Secondly, temptation becomes more attractive. When we're in pain for so long, we just want some relief. And that's when things like alcohol, drugs, gambling, an affair 
becomes so attractive. It's, it's, it's not about the issue. It's not about the addictive behaviour. It's about medication for pain. It's a great example of this in the life of David, who's been fighting all of his life. He's got one enemy after another. One year he decides to stay home when his army go out to fight. We don't know exactly why. The Bible doesn't exactly tell us the reasons, but one reason could be because he was emotionally and physically exhausted. You can just imagine David saying, you know what? I just can't handle this anymore. I just, I just need a break. You guys go out to war. I'm going to stay home. So one night while he's on his balcony, he sees... Bathsheba bathing. I was going to say baking. No, she wasn't baking. She was bathing. Um, Suddenly the endorphins are flowing. He feels great. He feels amazing. He hasn't felt like this for a very, very long time. And he says in his heart, I want her. Emotional stress bypasses good judgment. And causes us to do things we would never do if we were not burnt out. Solomon said, a man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. No one ever wakes up in the morning and says, do you know what I want to do today? Let me think, what shall I do? Why don't I destroy my marriage and my family? Everything that I love so dearly, why don't I just throw it away today? Yet it happens on a regular basis. And my belief is this, not because people are wanting to have an affair. That's not the reason at all. But just simply because people are emotionally exhausted and burnt out. And they're just looking for some relief from the pain. Third consequence of living with emotional burnout It increases depression and anxiety. All of us experience the symptoms of depression and anxiety. We all go through seasons where, you know, we're we're feeling a bit anxious about what we're going through, feeling a bit down. But in this season, the season of burnout, uh, uh, where emotional resources decrease, depression goes to another level. Anxiety goes to another level. David said, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Anyone ever wrestled with their thoughts? At three o'clock in the morning. And day after day I have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? And then there's a fourth one. We begin to doubt God. When we're burnt out emotionally, we start to feel like God has rejected us, like God is punishing us. We feel like there's no hope. We feel like God has given up on us. Jeremiah said this, I am overwhelmed with trouble. Haven't I had enough pain already? I wonder if there's anyone that can relate to this. And now the Lord has added more. I am worn out from sighing and can find no rest. Not not, not only have I got so much trouble in my life, not only are things going so bad, and now the Lord has added trouble to me even more. What are the consequences of emotional burnout? A perception is affected. Decision-making is affected. Temptation becomes more attractive. Depression and anxiety increase. And we begin to doubt our relationship with God, which kind of leads us to the second question. How do we develop margins in our life? Let me give the, the big answer. It's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. Principles are going to help us, but ultimately, it's the grace of God that helps us through those seasons of heartache.
kind of to help us answer this question, I want to make a few, I want to take a few principles out of the story we read in our text. Story of Elijah, Jezebel, many of you know it. Elijah just called down from fire from heaven. He's defeated the prophets of Baal. Jezebel finds out about it and she orders that he be killed. She leaves a message on his phone. She's the female version of Liam Neeson. I will find you and I will kill you. Um, upon hearing this, Elijah runs for his life into the desert. He's alone, fearing for his life, thinking he's the only one left that's serving God, praying that he will die. It's just incredible how, as I said before, here he is one minute, he's praying a simple, you know, 10, 15 word prayer and God answers with fire from heaven. It's powerful. And within a few hours, he's on the run, praying that God would take his life. I mean, if this happened to Elijah, the great prophet, how much more can it happen to you and me? And we underestimate how burnout affects us. And we know that uh, clearly that, that, that uh, Elijah was burnt out. Why? Because, because an angel comes to him and the angel doesn't come to him and say, Elijah, where is your faith? What the, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you praying, fasting? You know, where is, it doesn't say any of that. What, what does the angel say to him? The angel says, eat and sleep. Not once, but twice. That's some good strategy to deal with life. Eat and sleep. Glory be to God. Why did the angel say that? Because he was burnt out. So what do we learn from the story? First thing we need to do if we're going to develop emotional margins is pray for insight. Pray for insight. As Elijah looked at his situation, he thought his problem was Jezebel, that she was after him, that she wanted him dead. And as far as he was concerned, she was the problem. Provided he ran from her, provided he was away from her, then everything would be fine. I mean, as far as he was concerned, he looked at the scenario. He looked at, he did an assessment on the situation. I got Jezebel after me and she's ruthless. I better run as far away from her as I can. Now already you can see that something's wrong here. What's Elijah doing running away from a problem like this? Here's a man that's just called down fire from heaven, defeated the prophets of Baal, and he's running for his life. I would have said, well, if God can deliver you from the prophets of Baal, surely God can help you in this situation here. It's gonna take just a lot less fire to deal with Jezebel. You know what I mean? Issue is Elijah's problem wasn't Jezebel, it was either he was burnt out. As far as he was concerned, Jezebel was the problem. His problem was not Jezebel at all. His problem was he was burnt out. And his ability to process the situation, his perception of his situation was compromised. We're going to develop emotional margins. We need to pray for the gift of insight. It's the ability to see inside of ourselves. We need to pray that God will show us what's happening in our hearts and minds. Proverbs says, cry out for insight and ask for understanding. I believe the gift of insight is a powerful gift. 
It's the ability to see what is happening inside of us. Because if we can't see what's happening inside of us, we'll start to blame the environment around us. Oh, it's the Jezebels. They're the problem in my life. If we could just get rid of whoever the Jezebel is in my life, then my life would be better. Nothing was, uh, was like that at all in Elijah's life. The problem wasn't outside of him. The problem was inside of him. Way before we ever burn out, there's warning signs. Wayne Kadira in his book gives various warning signs of burnout, a sense of helplessness, frequent tears. He tells a story of one morning as, uh, as he just got up, whatever, I can't remember exactly where he was, but he ends up on the curb just bawling his eyes out, not knowing why. Difficulty concentrating, decision-making comes out, irritability, insomnia, feeling alone, lack of marital attraction, changes in eating habits, either you're eating too much or you're not eating at all. I don't know what you do when you're stressed, but some, some, some people um, either, you know, they stop eating or others uh, start to eat their emotions. You know what I'm saying? You, <laughs> I'm going to eat you up. Um, and then there's aches and pains. There are, there are physical expressions in our body of the stress we're under. Often, if we're not listening to our thoughts and our hearts, many times it's our body that starts to speak to us to say, hey, something's wrong here. These are warning signs. And like the red light on your car dashboard telling you there's no oil, if you ignore those warning signs, the symptoms will just get stronger and stronger, louder and louder, until one day you cross the line and you find yourself in the desert alone, thinking no one understands me, praying that you will die. One thing we need to understand is that no matter how strong we feel, how in control we think we are, how weak we believe everybody else is that burns out, we all have limits. And so we need to pray for insight. Know your limits. And just for the record, I didn't learn this from a textbook. We need to know what drains our emotional tanks and we need to know what fills our emotional tanks. And when we see those red lights flashing, rather than put some blue tack over the red light, we need to stop, fill the car with some oil because the resources are running low. Second thing we need to do if we're to develop emotional margins is have close friends. Bible says of Elijah, he, he heard that Jezebel wanted to kill him, so he runs for his life. And the Bible says when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Notice the progression. He's afraid, he's on the run, and now he's alone. All symptoms of burnout. You're on the run, you're afraid, your, your fear levels go beyond what they ought to be. You're on the run and you want to be alone. One of the ways the enemy comes against us is by isolating us. One of the greatest things that protects us from burnout is close friendships. Listen carefully. Nothing drains our emotional tanks like relational conflict. Nothing. Right at the top of the list, what drains our emotional tanks? It's relational conflict. Persistent, consistent relational conflict. What fills our tanks like nothing else 
is relationships. Connectedness. And the deeper the relationship, the more, the, the, the more protected we actually are. It's not just so much about having people around you. It's about being connected. Because you know we can be surrounded by people and not be connected to anyone. We can be part of a group of 200 people or so and actually be connected to no one at all. All of us need one or two people who can help us. All of us need one or two people who we can turn to in difficult times. Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Woe, I feel sorry for the person who's alone. Because when he falls, there's no one there to pick him up. Now, I know some of you are saying, I get Pastor Joe what you're saying. You know, I, I get it. You know, I'm sitting next to a couple of weak people myself. And, you know, I'm glad you're preaching this message because they really need to build relationships because they're a little bit weak. You know, they're, they're not as strong as me. You know, I'm independent and I'm strong. Reality is we will all go through these experiences. And we were never created to do life, the Christian life. We were never created to live our Christian life by ourselves. It was always created to be, to be lived within the context of relationship and community. And here's what church is all about. That's why life groups are so important. Moses was on a trajectory of burnout, but he couldn't see it. Jethro's father-in-law could see it clearly. And he says to him, what are you doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you and you cannot handle it alone. Jethro saw Moses uh, burning out and, and, and by telling him, he saved him from burnout. He says, what are you doing? So often the people closest to us can see where we're heading when we can't see it ourselves. If we're going to develop emotional margins in our life, we need a Jethro in our lives. We need to, first of all, understand the value of a Jethro, and then we need to be intentional about having at least one or two of them in our circle of influence. People that will encourage us, protect us, motivate us, help us to see things we cannot see in ourselves. I wonder, who is the Jethro in your life? Not only we need a Jethro, we also need a Simon of Cyrene. I shared this thought with our life group leaders. Jesus was beaten, crushed beyond anything he could imagine. And then he was forced to carry his own cross to the place of crucifixion. And while he was on the path, he was so beaten, he had no strength to carry the cross. So the Romans forced a man called Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross for Jesus. I love the imagery of this because there are times in our life where we are so beaten, where the burden is so great, where we are so exhausted, where we can't take another step forward. Where we have no strength to carry what we're going through. It's in those times we all need a Simon of Cyrene who can help us carry the cross, who can help us Navigate those difficult seasons in life. We're going to develop margins in our lives. We need to see the value of connectedness and of relationships. And I know, uh, how many people know it's hard to develop close friendships? How many people know that it's hard? It's phenomenal that in, a, in, an, in an era where we have every single thing we need, every single thing we want, we just don't have the time, we don't have the margin to develop 
those deep relationships. Wayne Kodira actually says the relationships are built in the margins of life. It's, it's, in that, it's in that extra time where you actually spend time with people and relationships are deepened. More than ever, we need to be intentional about this. Our, our, the pace in our society is not going to get slower and slower. It's going to get faster and faster. We kind of think as technology increases, we kind of think we're going to have more time. It's a load of rubbish. As technology increases, our life is going to get faster and faster. We are going to get more and more stressed. And as a result, we're going we're to need to rely on people more and more. We need, to, we, need to, we, we, we need to compensate for the stress in our lives. And we, more than ever, we need to be intentional about developing relationships in our lives. The Jethro's and the Simon of Cyrene's in our life. Third thing we need to do is see the value of rest. Already talked about this. The angel comes down and touches him and says, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and gee, that seems good to me, I don't know. Uh, and a jar of water and he ate and drank and then he laid down again. The angel does this a couple of times. Why? Why? Because he was exhausted. Physically and emotionally exhausted, drained. And just by the way, what happens in the body affects the soul and also affects the spirit. Sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is sleep. Praise the Lord, I came to church this morning. Praise God. <laughs> take a few days off, take a holiday. It's obey the fourth commandment to respect the Sabbath. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The fourth thing we need to do is challenge our thoughts, our beliefs, and our confessions by His grace. And here was Elijah who believed certain things. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the soil. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me as well. The issue was that he was not the only one left. There were 7,000 other people who had not bowed down to Baal. But because he believed the lie, he was on the run praying that he would die. He believed the lie and because of that, he was on the run praying that he would die. If we're going to restore emotional health, we need to challenge our thinking. The red lights are going to start to appear in our mind and in our emotions and, and we need to understand what that is. The Bible says you shall know the truth and the truth will bring freedom in your life and the lies will keep you bound. How we think affects how we feel and then how we behave. Here was Elijah who thought, I'm the only one left. And so how does he feel? He feels scared. He feels afraid. So he's on the run. His behavior is, I'm going to run from this. How do we deal with this? We need to begin to challenge our thoughts. We need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We need to understand the power of confession. We need, to under, we need to declare the truths of God's Word. That's why I love the worship that we have in the church. It's not just singing songs. We're declaring powerful truths. We need to speak to our soul sometimes. How many people here speak to themselves? Mm, God bless you. David said, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Come on, put your hope in God. 
for I will yet praise Him, my Saviour and my God. We need to declare, it's in those times when, when our thoughts are just going crazy. It's in, those, it's in those times where we need to declare some truths. I am a child of God. God is still on the throne. God will see me through. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be my light. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, He shall stand on the earth. God will see me through by His grace. Pastor Joe, is that easy to do when you're in that season? No, it's not easy. to. It's so good to preach. I love preaching this stuff. I love it. Is it easy to do when you're there? No, it's not easy to do at all when you're there because when you're down there, you think this is it. This is the end. And yet it's in that very time where we need to start challenging the thoughts in Jesus. Now, God is going to see me through. But I feel disgusted. I feel, I feel depressed. I, I just don't feel like I want to go on for another day. I understand my feelings, but we are not driven by our feelings. We are driven by the truth of His Word. And there comes a time where not only we need to think it, we need to declare it. There's power in declaring. There's power in our confession. I know that God is with me. I know that my Redeemer lives and one day I shall see Him. Pastor Joe, what happens if your situation doesn't change? You declare it again by the grace of God. You declare it again by the grace of God. You declare it again by the grace. You declare it again by the grace of God. Either this thing is real or let's do something else, guys. And I know that this is real. And I know that God will see us through. As we speak the truth, our feelings will begin to change. There'll be a shift as we begin to speak the truth, as we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ, there'll be a shift. It may be tiny, it may be really small, but, but there will be a shift. And as there's a shift in our feelings, there starts to be a shift in our, in, in our behaviours and how we behave. That's why we need to live by principles. That's why it's so important that, that we, we, we get the foundation right. You know, I said before, I've said other times, I said the ants, they collect their food in the summer because they know there's a winter season coming. You prepare for these seasons, not in the winter, you prepare for them in the summer so that when the winter comes, you're ready. You build relationships in the summer so that when the winter comes, they are there already for you. You build your life on principles. No, Sunday morning is church. We're going, but I don't feel like going to church. I want to go to the beach. I don't want to get... <laughs> no, we're going to church. Why? Why? Because we're building a foundation. We build a foundation in, in the summer because we know there's a winter coming. Uh, final thing we need to do is develop our relationship with God. Connect with God. I love this scripture. It's probably my favorite scripture in this whole text. The Bible says he goes into a cave. Anybody ever spent some time in a cave? And the word of the Lord came to him. Isn't that beautiful? Uh, Job 38 verse 1. And the Lord spoke out of the storm. It's a beautiful scripture. I know you feel like it's dark. I know you feel like it's the end. I know that you feel like God has abandoned you. I know that you feel like God is punishing you. I know that you feel like God is a million miles away. But I want you to know that God is the God who speaks even in the storm. And the Word of the Lord came to him. Something we need more than ever. It's the Word of the Lord. Something that leads us 
to burnout, it's because we've stopped hearing the voice of the Spirit. We're so busy, we haven't got time for God. So we get involved in things we never, that God never intended for us to get involved. We, we pursue things that God doesn't want. We break spiritual principles by not seeking the will of God couple of great scriptures that we've said over this series. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Let me, let me help you here. His good, pleasing and perfect will. God's will is good, it's pleasing and it's perfect. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Jesus says, just come and I'm going to show you a way, a way to live because my, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. I love the scripture because Elijah's ranting and raving. I'm the only one left and everyone's... And God doesn't even answer him. He just says, go and anoint Jehu king and anoint Elijah as your successor. What I love about this is notice how specific the instructions are. Go and anoint Jehu king and go and anoint Elijah as your, as your successor. God wants to speak to you and me. If there's ever a time where we need to hear the Word of the Lord, it's when we're in the cave on our own, wishing we were dead. It's in those times where God speaks His most powerful Word. And it's not a scream, it's not an earthquake, it's not like a fire, it's not like this booming sound, it's a gentle whisper. It's a gentle whisper. Because ultimately, the purpose of all of this is God just wants us to draw nearer to Him. You can't hear a whisper unless you're close to someone. And God wants us to be close to Him. Pastor Joe, but I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand either. But I do understand someone who does. Who does. Last September, we had some, uh, I heard some noises in our roof. So as the man of the house, I went up in the roof to check the noise. I don't do nothing. You know, you just go up there. Yeah, did you go? Yeah, I went, I went. You didn't do nothing really. But anyway, I'm up in the roof and I, and I put my foot through the ceiling. And I, I remember distinctly saying to myself, you know, I got margin for this. It's, it's, an, it's an interesting as I reflected back. I remember saying to myself, this is terrible, but I got margin for this. And I was really proud of myself. Well done, Joe. You're amazing. A couple of days later, a pipe burst in the wall, a water pipe burst in our wall, one of the walls. If, there, if that's ever happened to any of you, you know, it's a disaster. It's, a, it's just, it's, and the, where it was, anyway, long story, it ring the insurance, you know, just go through that. It's three or four weeks. My margins are starting to shrink. My, my emotional tank is starting to get empty. Then we had a couple of um, major sort of events here at church, some major things that we had to do plus the regular stuff, and I could feel myself going into the red zone. H how many people know, when it rains, it pours. <laughs> These crises, they never come on their own. They usually come with their cousins and their friends, you know. You know, come on, let's all go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's really, let's really test uh, the margin that, that Joe's got. And I can tell you, I've been working really hard at getting this right. And, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not here yet. This, moment, this sermon is for me. So I wonder, is there someone who's feeling exhausted today? Burnt out? You're in the red zone. You feel overwhelmed like Elijah. You're in a desert. You're alone. 
thinking no one understands me, praying that Jesus would return tomorrow. (laughs) Jesus is speaking to you and me this morning. And He's saying to you and me, just come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And God's pe- all God's people said, Amen. So I don't know how I want to finish today. Um, I don't know about you, but God has spoken to me over these last few weeks. This series has been as much for me as it has been for anybody else. And, and I can't, I've not got this right. I'm still working on it. And, um, but I just wonder, there might be some people here today that you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and you'd like prayer. And I just thought to finish off this series that... Um, just while we're in an attitude of, of prayer, maybe if we just bow our heads and pray. I want to pray for some people. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what that next step is for you. I don't know what that is. I don't know. It's kind of a sermon series where, you know, we're teaching a lot of things, but ultimately it's about us going back to Christ and just saying, Lord, what, what, what do you want me to do? What, 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 what do you want me to do? I don't know. But the Holy Spirit knows. And more than ever, we need to know to hear from Him. So just just as we're in this attitude, I want to pray for some people. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling burnt out or stressed or overwhelmed and you'd like prayer. What I'd just like you to do is just stand where you are. If you're comfortable to do it, I just want you to stand where you are and I'm going to pray for you. We're going to pray together. And just believe, I'm going to come down because I want to be part of that prayer. And uh, we're going to just pray and believe that God is going to speak to us. There might be some things that you're going through right now that are just draining you. It's just a season. It's all it is. You know it's a season, but you know that your emotional reserves are starting to get into the, into the low zone and, and, and uh, it's starting to affect you. And um, um, you'd like prayer. I just want you to stand right where you are. And we're standing not because we're weak. We're standing because we're strong. Because the greatest thing that we can do is know ourselves, know our limits, know what's happening inside of us, not hide it, not pretend it, pretend it's not there, not put on this mask that says we're doing really well, we're doing really, really, really well, but actually acknowledge the reality of what we're experiencing before God and allowing Jesus to lead us to that place of rest and just one more minute. Is there somebody, the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? You're feeling, you're feeling your heart racing a little bit more. I just want to encourage you. Nothing more. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to dismiss the service. But you know, this is, a, this is an important time before God. It's just saying, God, help me. Help me. Help me. I don't want to live the rest of my life like this. It's not the life you intended me to live just need you and so Father you see those that have stood and our heart's desire God is to serve you, you created us you created us for such a time as this and you see how the enemy 
has sought to destroy, distract us from your call that's on our lives. I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would show us the way of truth, the way that leads to life so that we can be everything you've called us to be. I just, I just thank you for this wonderful congregation, those that have stood. Father, that your hand would be upon them in Jesus' name. Just in Jesus' name. Something's gonna break in Jesus' name. Something's gonna break, I pray, in Jesus' name. There's gonna be breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I just pray for that right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Stress is not gonna be our lot in life. We're gonna serve you every day of our life. And I just pray for every individual here. I pray that they would hear, that we would hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, that small, still voice of the Holy Spirit that would speak to us and tell us, well, what is the next step? What is the next step? Bind every work of the enemy, every lie of the devil. And I just thank you for what you're gonna do in and through our lives in Jesus' name, by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Will everyone stand together? Father, I just thank you for this word and I thank you for this series and I thank you, Father, that you've spoken to so many of our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that we would uh, be everything you've called us to be. Guide us by your spirit even this week. Let us be conscious of your spirit, uh, more aware of what's happening around us, Lord God, and help us to begin to carve out the margins and see the margins as an opportunity for you to move in and through our lives. We love you so much, Lord God. Be glorified, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You have an awesome week in Jesus' name.